that's Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley, and on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome back to the program Fangraphs writer Craig Edwards. Craig and I detail the current playoff landscape, check in on some tight and not-so-tight division races, and assess the chances of Craig's beloved St. Louis Cardinals. We also, though neither of us were aware of this at the time, engage in a series of reverse jinxes, which suggests that Craig is perhaps a powerful wizard, before I force Craig to make several too-early predictions on year-end awards. A brief editor's note with respect to those predictions, neither Craig nor I remember that Mike Talkman is no longer rookie-eligible, a mistake that I, as Craig's editor, should have remedied in the moment, but failed to management apologizes for this error all of that is coming up but first it is my obligation to tell you that fangraphs memberships are now available at fangraphs.com for the monthly cost of part of one fangraphs hoodie which are soon to return to our online store you can support all the great work at fangraphs including craig's analysis of the emerging postseason picture eric longenhagen and kylie mcdaniel's prospect coverage and ben clemens statistical research you may also for a slightly greater sum purchase an ad-free membership and enjoy fangraphs without banner ads facilitating faster loading times that bit of business now being complete, I take you to my conversation with Craig Edwards, which begins right now. Craig, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're recording now. How are things, Craig? It's been a minute since you've uh, been been on the program. It sounds so formal. It's good. Doing well. We uh, took a family trip to Des Moines, Iowa over uh, the weekend to, to see family. How's the family? Couldn't be better. Oh, well, I'm so glad to hear that. How, how do you generally feel about August baseball, Craig? Do you feel a little, uh, do you feel the dog days or do you get excited for the postseason that is rapidly approaching well i think that you know the the trade deadline sort of whips everyone up into a frenzy and then even if you know you made some big moves it's still sort of oh now we have to play a quarter of the season until uh the playoffs start so i think there's there's there is a bit of a lull right now i'd call it a lull Lol. We ended up having, after all of our concern that the deadline would be terribly boring, we ended up having a frenzied last day. It's really your fault. You made jokes about it being slow in the morning of the 31st, and then uh, we we had more trades than we knew what to do with in the afternoon. Uh, That's the classic (laughs) anti-jinx. The site thanks you for that. I thought today that we would do a couple things, because while the deadline was very busy. There were some teams that made, well, shall we say refrained from or were unable to make moves. And we have had some movement in the playoff races. So I thought we'd talk about those things and then start engaging in some very far too early end of year ballot talk because everybody loves it, uh, loves good ballot talk. And we are recording this on Wednesday. I know what day of the week it is. This this cold is almost gone. We are recording this game on Wednesday. And as as we are talking, we have some some movement potentially in the standings. Craig, Craig what's going on in this AL Central? Some madness. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Twins have just been sort of doing fine for a long time. They're still projected to win 97 games, which is quite the high total. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Indians have been doing very, very well and, and are now, you know, uh, up to, to 96 games. And uh, they were in first place ever so briefly and have since fallen back, uh, you know, by half a game as of 
the recording right now, potentially a game and a half by the time we finish recording. Mm -hmm. But essentially, Cleveland just started playing like the team that everyone uh, expected them to be, while uh, the, the Twins have have done fine. But they they weren't super active at the deadline. Um, I think that you know they had needs in the bullpen and the rotation and. They got Sam Dyson, who almost immediately went on the injured list, which you know it isn't what you want to see uh, when, mm-hmm. when when that's that's the biggest move you make. But uh, it's it's really hard to tell exactly what the the landscape of the the rotation trading situation was around the trade deadline. Cleveland obviously traded away one of their. Uh, better pitchers and uh, and Trevor Bauer and and upgraded their their outfield, which has needed a lot of help for a very long time, and uh, it should put them in in better position going forward. Now, I know in my last ESPN piece, I talked about their schedules, and uh, the Twin schedule is very very favorable the the rest of the way compared to Cleveland's. So I, I think those. Those, I think, six head-to-head games are going to be very important uh, in terms of the division race. And given the way the wild card races are going, the loser can't be assured of, of a playoff spot yeah. necessarily. They'll they'll need to to keep, I guess, you know, at that you know ninety four ninety five win pace in order to make sure that they make the playoffs. Yeah, by our strength of schedule projections, we have the Twins with the the easiest road in the AL. Cleveland doesn't have a horribly difficult schedule ahead, but it is harder than than Minnesota's is. So, you know, in a tight division race, that might end up making the difference. I can't. I don't know if I can imagine a more favorable personality swap than the one that Cleveland pulled off at the deadline, uh, moving Bauer and and getting Puig. <laughs> Yeah, well, and not just Pui. I mean, uh, people in San Diego loved Reyes, too. Yeah, they do. So two dynamic, friendly personalities Mm -hmm. in exchange for, I mean, you could argue Trevor Bauer has a dynamic personality. It's not necessarily friendly, I would say. No, it's uh, uh, mercurial, perhaps. Sure, yes. Um, That's that's a a fair description. Good, good, good wording. Yeah, Um, but I I think. You know, Cleveland didn't necessarily make themselves a whole lot better, but they used their strengths to address their their weaknesses. And I think that that overall, they're still they're still doing that thing they did off season, where they're they're saying, "Well, we can now get by without a starter the rest of the way because right. we have these other guys that are maybe coming up." And I mean, you could make the argument that Bowers maybe they're third or fourth best starter you can make an argument that he's you know the best if you go by you know what what he did last year and and health wise this season which is kind of an enviable position to be in if you are Cleveland it is and then on on you know Minnesota side you you mentioned that Dyson went on the injured list almost immediately going over there did did you or did you not say that he was the best reliever move to the deadline I remember a headline to that effect am I misremembering you are not misremembering. I think that uh, it could still know, be true. Yeah, it, it could very well be true. I, I think that he's he's the guy that that pitched the best. And then when you you had maybe more rumored arms like Kirby Yates or right. Felipe Vasquez, who are better than Sam Dyson, 
not get moved. Sam Dyson was was the guy who's who's been pitching the best, and you know I I think that overall he should still be a plus for Minnesota the rest of the way. But the thing about relievers is that they're relievers, and you know you're talking about people who over the course of a season you're still only pitching sixty innings. So over the course of two months you're talking about twenty. Right. So makes a difference when they lose time or are ineffective. So let's see, what do we got in terms of playoff races that we are pretty sure of? So so the Astros clearly will make uh, the postseason and will win the West. We have their win division odds at 100%, and that seems right. Although you wrote recently about how they're going to they're gonna get a little bit better because of uh, Jose Altuve. What's going on with Jose Altuve, Craig? Well, it's, it's not really fair. Um, to to everyone else, but so at the beginning of the season, and you know, at the end of last season too, uh, Jose Altuve was was physically a com- compromised a bit with his his right knee injury, and he missed time last year, and then came back, but wasn't the same, and eventually had surgery uh, in the off season. And one headline I saw said that Altuve was one hundred and twenty percent entering spring training, um, but uh, that apparently was not the case because he went down with a hamstring injury after a while, which may or may not be related, but on while he was rehabbing the hamstring injury, which was supposed to be just a quick 10 day thing, he felt some sort of issues with the surgically uh, repaired knee, ended up missing more than a month of time. And then now that he's back, he's playing like everyone remembered Jose Altuve playing uh, a few years ago. Maybe he was 120%, but the headline just didn't specify of what. Perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps, Perhaps. he was 120%, but of, of a lesser yeah, guy. His one knee was at 80%, and the right. other knee was at 40%. Right. <laughs> it is a funny contrast, though. You have the Astros and the Yankees, and like the Yankees are also very likely to win their division and to, to get through without serious challenge from certainly from the Red Sox and even uh, from the race who are in a better spot than the Red Sox are, but not very much. And, you know, we think of the Yankees as this powerhouse and they're like winning because of guys who I think a lot of Yankees fans probably didn't know the names of prior to the start of the season. And then the Astros have uh, Altuve coming back to full strength and they acquire Granke. So I wonder if we ought to dislike them the most of all the teams just because they actually, uh, you know, got better and we just let it happen we just sat back and we're like yeah what if uh what if the astros just got better though yeah you know did this you know two years ago when they got verlander and they won the world series i believe yeah i seem to remember that you know and the yankees are just in this just really weird spot where they have all of these really good players who haven't been playing yeah. and it'll be interesting i think you know uh in terms of their not similar to the Twins, but they're similar to the Twins in that they're really hoping that the pitching is just going to figure itself out because yeah. they they don't have uh, a ton of backup options. They're just going to have to hope that the guys that they currently have, you know, get healthy or just play a lot better or that they can just, you know, piecemeal their way through the, the postseason with just a good bullpen. Yeah, so right now we have the Astros, the Yankees, and the Twins atop the divisions in the AL. And then we have, among our wildcard contenders, the Cleveland Indians, as we've discussed, and the Rays, 
And then the Athletics are the team closest to a wild card spot. Behind the Rays, they're three games back, I believe. And their playoff odds overall, which are obviously all uh, wild card odds, are around 17%. I don't anticipate that we will see a ton of shakeup there, although the A's are seemingly about to get some of their good young pitching back. So in that respect, they might make things a little bit interesting. But otherwise, you have teams like the the Red Sox and the Rangers are only two and a half back of the Red Sox, who are quite a ways back, by the way, from the wild card. But man, things did not go Boston's way. And then, of course, the the National League side, we have sort of similar uh, strength at the top with the Dodgers and the Braves, who we still have at 82, almost 83% division winners, despite some of the other challengers within their division that have played better of late. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the I think that a lot of that's based on the projections always thinking that the Nationals are really, really good. And, yeah. you know, they have been really, really good. But at this point, you know, they've got some games against the Braves left. Yeah. So they're definitely not out of it. You know, that's why the, the odds say 15% chance yeah. of the Nationals sort of catching the Braves and uh, doesn't really see the Mets or Phillies with, with a reasonable shot. And I think that, you know, if the Nationals can get all their pitching healthy, you know, when you see these crazy streaks, it's almost always, I don't know, I've, I have nothing to verify this, but it, it seems like it's very much starting pitching driven. Sure. And, you know, we saw that with Cleveland earlier and uh, the Mets, you know, when they made their run against all the, the bad teams that they were playing, you know, DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Wheeler were all, you know, sort of tearing it up. And the Nationals, when they, they got better, same same deal with, with Corbin and Scherzer and Strasburg. And I wouldn't put it past the Nationals to, to catch the Braves, but obviously if you are the Braves, you like your position a, a lot better than, than Washington. Yeah, they do seem to, at the very least, be able to, uh, you know, score runs, which is useful in sort of bulk, which is nice. And their pitching is uh, not as strong up front, but, it, you know, it's got its, it's got its moments. We got your Cardinals hanging around yeah, in, that, yeah. in that wild card race, Craig. Your yeah. Cardinals and making them your responsibility. <laughs> oh, please don't do that. A game and a half up on the Brewers. Yeah, they just made the controversial decision to fire their assistant hitting coach. You know, shaking things up. Yeah, that'll be the move that really puts them over the top. I do have to say, at the beginning of the season, if you looked at the standings, there's a lot of former fangraphs. Dylan, I'm going to do it again. No, you actually keep it and keep me not being able to say the name of the website in, please. There were a lot of former fangraphs. That's hard to say. It's a hard thing to say. Teams sort of atop the standings, and now they have basically all fallen away. So I, yeah. I'm not rooting they, they for not like your Cardinals to fall out of out of their spot to the Milwaukee Brewers, but in some ways it would be useful because we would have better representation of yeah. Fangraphs in the in the standings. Yeah, but yeah. the Brewers, you know, they need Yelich to sort of have six more weeks of being. The Christian Yelich, he's been the, the past year and a half. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they might do all right. The Rays, they're still doing fine. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I, I should be respectful of, of the Rays, who are currently the only, I mean, of the of the recent crop, the only Fangrass alum team who's, who's in a playoff spot. So, good yeah. job, Jeff. Yeah. But 
My Cardinals. Your Cardinals. You know, they are uh, they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. And no. uh, they're still one game out from the Cubs because the Cubs uh, just, they don't, they don't seem to want it. You know, at this at this time of year, you really got to want it. And the Cubs just don't seem like they want it. <laughs> oh, we're going to get comments about that. You were very <laughs> you were very displeased with your Cardinals after the deadline. You had hoped that they would do more, and they instead did very little. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Michael Waka is that he's he's done well in his Cardinals career, had some big moments but has has not been particularly good this year. They removed him from the rotation and then put him back in it just because the other guy that they put into the rotation, Daniel Ponce de Leon, couldn't seem to go very deep into games, you know, third or fourth inning. They were essentially using an opener without using an opener. Right. And then they put Waka back in the rotation and they will now be skipping his spot in the rotation basically every chance they get he he gave up i think six runs in his first start after the trade deadline to the dodgers and most of those i think or maybe all of those came in came in the first inning and so that was a very very clear spot where the cardinals could have used and and needed an upgrade and they decided not to i, I think that part of uh the reason is because they really like Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman, uh, which mm. is very understandable. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that uh, uh, I think of the rumored pitchers available, I think the only one that I might have offered up one of those two players would have been Syndergaard. Sure. But we don't. I mean, we just don't know what was going on with the Mets and what what was happening. And so, but after that, the Cardinals sort of they they don't have. They don't have that middle group of of prospects to to sort of make deals with, and they do have guys in the major league roster. The rumor was that it was Wheeler for O'Neill or Bader plus some other players, and it's hard to see from my perspective how that's not a deal that that you don't really try hard for, given you haven't made the postseason in in three seasons and you're in first place at the time of the deadline. Right. I think when when you're the you know president or or GM and it's the All Star break and you say, well, we have to see how these next few weeks go, and then the team goes on a run and ends up in first place, you don't just get to say, well, you know, we tried, uh, and it seems like that's what 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 the Cardinals did. How do you feel about Tyler O'Neill? Um, I mean, he's on the he's on the IL right now, right? He's yeah. dinged up his yeah. wrist. It's his wrist. Yeah, mm. I don't know his his arms Legendary. would be strong enough. Yes, but maybe more wrist lifting would be necessary. I don't know. I, I think that he's got tremendous power, and I think that. It looked like for a while, like maybe he was sort of cutting down on the strikeouts enough to right. where he would be playable. I mean, I think that, you know, you look at the guys who have made sort of that transformation, you know, Aaron Judge and, and Joey Gallo, the power is there, but it's just, you know, you strike out too many times, can't stay healthy, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, most of the time, the player doesn't take whatever that next step is. And I think that maybe that's why the Cardinals were afraid of, of trading him away because you don't want to trade away a guy who's going to be the next Aaron Judge or, or, or Joey Gallo. No, although if you can't help him be the next Aaron Judge or Joey Gallo, 
one wonders what his utility on your particular roster is, right? Well, you know, that's maybe that's why you got a new assistant hitting coach. Ah, he's there to help Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, I remember Tyler O'Neill as a Mariners prospect. And uh, I thought to myself as a person who is by no means a prospect expert, these contact issues seem troubling. I wonder if they will remain a problem. They seem to have. So, yeah. Well, the Cardinals had the same issue with Randall Gritchick, and they right. could not help him and traded him to Toronto. And those issues have that that's not come back to haunt them. Those issues still remain. Yeah, I I have a feeling that uh, Tyler O'Neill might be what Tyler O'Neill is. I mean, he's worked so hard on those arms. It's not like he's going to turn around and go a different direction. Yeah, and he's surprisingly fast. I mean, I, I think yeah, that, he's quick. You know, he's he he could play center field regularly not like gold glove caliber but no you know he could <laughs> but do it. he is you are right that he is certainly speedy enough so right now uh your your cardinals would go against the nationals and then we have as we said we have the mets and the brewers and those pesky diamondbacks they're hanging around Although i yeah. can't imagine that they will actually play themselves into a playoff spot that they made, made the really lower cool. level cleveland type deal yes where instead of trading away a pitcher and then getting outfielders, they traded away a pitcher and then got two more pitchers. Yes, yes, and then a bunch of a bunch of prospects, additional prospects. Yes, yeah, for Granky. But yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I've liked that. I've liked that uh, Diamondbacks team's approach both to the both to the draft and to the deadline. I like it when you can see a pass to contention in fairly short order. It's comforting. You're not yeah. going to have to sit around in the desert for a long time waiting for these guys to be good again. They'll probably get there pretty quickly. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, really, really good job turning things around because yeah. I think, you know, the previous regime or whatever you want to call it, and it's it's somewhat similar, I would say, to what is happening right now with the Mets and maybe what happened, you know, a long time ago with the Padres when you mm -hmm. have someone come in and say, well, okay, I can, I can help your team win. And then the ownership says, okay, but you can't have any more money, but I need you to make the team win. And so you end up, you know, they ended up spending all of their money on Zach Greinke essentially, and then still managed to to make the the postseason. Whereas uh, the, the Mets spent all their money on Robinson Cano, I guess, yeah. and they may still manage to to make the postseason. But I think you know a bunch of moves like that can can set an organization back you know half a dozen years or so, and that that Arizona is looks like they're on the the path to to contention already is sort of a testament to to what they've done in in fairly short order. Yeah, pretty impressive. I guess I would be remiss if I did not mention that that sandwich between the Mets and Arizona or the Phillies who may have just lost Jake Arrieta for the remainder of the season. So that seems like it's pretty bad for a team that has pitching woes. Yeah. Seems not good. Yeah, they also just fired their uh their hitting coach and and brought in <laughs> Longtime favorite manager Charlie Manuel. That's 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 not if you're if you're the manager and the owner says, "All right, we're getting rid of the hitting coach, and the guy we're bringing in is the last guy that took the team to the World Series." <laughs> like that's that's not a position where you're you're gonna 
feel particularly secure about about your job no i would I would feel concerned in fact if it were me i would f- I would find myself feeling concerned mm-hmm. yeah so so I'm gonna do a mean thing which is i'm gonna I'm gonna make you pick some teams here on August fourteenth as if this won't change a bunch of times but if if you had to pick the postseason field right now craig who would you who would you have who do you got doing and doing what? I am going to say that in the AL, it's the teams that are in the positions that they are in as of today. So Yankees, Twins, Astros, and Rays, and Cleveland. That's what I'll say. Uh, In the National League, I still like the Nationals, but I'll take the Braves. And then, man, the NL Central, it's just just tough. But I, I think I will still take the Cubs... To, to to win the the division, you know, I think that their rotation right now is shaping up slightly better than than the Cardinals and the Brewers, who who yeah. are currently chasing the Cubs, and and that probably makes the difference. Uh, obviously, the Dodgers are gonna gonna win the West, and then for the wild card, I think you asked me this question over the All Star break, and the well, I I think I picked the Nationals to beat the Braves at that point, but um, and then the Braves and the Brewers as the wild card, but. I'm having a tougher time seeing seeing the Brewers, and so I will pick my Cardinals, who Cardinals. I have responsibility for. They should listen to you more since they're your responsibility. Yeah, it's 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 weird how that that works out. It's a preview to uh, your future life as a parent, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, that seems like a a reasonable field, and that Dodgers team is so good. Mm. Problem, yeah. I mean, I I will say congratulations to uh, being a fan of the most interesting division in baseball right now, really. I mean, an argument can be made for the AL Central, but I think the NL Central has it. The Central's very surprising. We did not expect that AL Central race to be a race at all, so good, good on uh, Cleveland for making it uh, more interesting than it was even a couple of weeks ago. People were so down on that Cleveland team when we were in Cleveland. Not me. I was pumping them up. You're responsible for the run, so you're just uh, you're just the puppet master of the central divisions uh, writ large, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I want to talk to you about, and I'm mostly inspired by this because I will have a an AL Rookie of the Year vote, and so it was on my mind, even though it's too early. It's only August. Mm, that's that's a tough vote to have. <laughs> It is not as difficult as the NL Rookie of the Year vote will be. But well, is... I mean, in the NL Rookie of the Year, you're not going to make a... Whatever choice you make is not going to uh, yeah, be a there's... wrong one. Whereas yeah. the AL, it looks like a lot of wrong choices. Yes, there's there are many tempting landmines. <laughs> yes. I anticipate, and I don't think I... I have not decided on my vote, and I, I don't think I'm supposed to discuss my vote publicly in advance of casting it but i will give this psa to other al rookie of the year voters which is that the fangraphs leaderboards only take into consideration plate appearances and innings pitched. so daniel vogelback is not actually rookie of the year eligible so don't vote for him because he can't win that award he lost his rookie eligibility last year he's on the roster too many days what about uh michael talkman oh is he eligible he might be the leader he might uh, be the he, war leader. He is currently he is currently tied atop the leaderboard for rookies. It's very it's very concerning because you know that there are going to be any number 
of uh, uh, sassy, shall we call them sassy oh. Yankees fans who will expect expect that his surprising and delightful performance will get him to the top. But yes, he is currently tied for uh, first place at top our leaderboards anyhow by Fangraphs War uh, with Brendan Lau of the Rays. Who's out with a lower leg injury, I believe. Ah, 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 that was good. And I always have to re- look up which one is on that roster is low versus low. I get it wrong often. I should get it right if I end up casting my ballot for him. And then Jordan Alvarez right behind them. 2.4 wins. Yeah. Jordan. My goodness. Man. Well, if, you know, if he plays like he has for another month, I'm guessing he will end up the leader. At the yes. End of the season. Yes, I have a feeling that, and this is why me asking you about this in August is is admittedly a little bit silly because I have a feeling that come the end of the year these are going to be uh, much more obvious races than they are at the moment. Uh, on the pitching side, you know, you have people like Spencer Turnbull, who guess what? Nobody's voting for a Tigers player for Rookie of the Year. I don't think that's going to happen. Except perhaps Tigers beat writers, but I won't insult their integrity by saying that they'd be so easily swayed. The fact that John Means is in this conversation even a little bit is hilarious because he is a pitcher for the Orioles. And then on the NL side, we have just the the light of so many people's lives. Fernando Tatis Jr., just behind Pete Alonzo. Yeah. I mean, and that's another situation where if the next, let's say, 100 plate appearances or so, if Pete right. Alonzo plays exactly like he's played in his 500 plate appearances and Tatis Jr. plays exactly like he has in Mm -hmm. his 400 plate appearances, then Tatis is going to emerge as, you know, he'll be maybe half a win higher than than Alonso at the end of the season. Of course, if Alonso hits 50 home runs, I I think that 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 won't matter. Yeah, that's going to make it hard. And, of course, Mike Soroka's sitting sitting over there on the pitching side being like, hey, what about me? Well, sure. Well, sure. I don't think that he will win that award, but people, he'll he'll get some down-ballot consideration, surely. Mm-hmm. Who would you vote for, Craig? If the season ended today, today. I, think I, I think I would vote for Alonzo. I mm. think that by the end of the season, Tatis Jr. will have yeah. overtaken him. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. And then, of course, you know, it wouldn't be a year of Mike Trout being healthy without the AL MVP conversation being, at least in our corner of the baseball world, very boring. Yeah, it's kind of a slam dunk, huh? Yeah, I think that it would take it would take a particularly aggressive interpretation and adherence to a particularly aggressive interpretation of of value. For someone to not vote for Trout, he seems like he should he should be an an unanimous a unanimous unanimous. What am I trying to say? A unanimous selection, man. Seven point seven wins. <sighs> yeah, if there was like a pitcher who had like twenty four pitcher wins or something, right? Like, that would that would enter like the weird conversations that we have at the end of every season about you know what's important and and whatnot. But there's nobody really on the pitching side there it's just trout and a whole lot of nothing and then bregman and bogarts and yeah and yeah and the the gap is quite quite large between trout and his ale uh compatriots and And he's also maybe gonna lead the league in homers you know that's you know that's probably even for you know the traditionalists 
Like it's it's got to be it's got to be too much, I think. Mm-hmm. And then of course we have now in a in a dead heat, although they were effectively in a dead heat before. I think they were separated by like point two wins. Is Bellinger and Yelich? Man, Cattell Marte just keeps chugging along. He's not going to win NL MVP, and he shouldn't. I'm not saying he should, but he just keeps he just keeps on plugging. Fourth most valuable position player in baseball. Well, that's great. What a cool thing. Yeah, it's good for him. Good for the Diamondbacks. And you know, it, it'll be. A, I would imagine that he would appear on every single ballot somewhere. Right. You yeah. know, which is is something. Yeah. Still, still hitting well above a uh, league average. Every every month except uh, March, April, WRC plus north of 135. Good job, Katel. And then uh, I inspired some controversy, Craig, in my chat when I was asked about Cy Young winners. And I said confidently, perhaps too confidently, that uh, my choice in the NL would be Max Scherzer. And I had several people be grumpy about that. But nobody contested that Lance Lynn should be the AL Cy Young. Your guy Lance. You've yeah. been early on that Lance beat. Yeah, stupid, sweaty Lance Lynn. <laughs> Headed straight to the Cy Young. I was I was watching a Rangers game. I think some of the only Rangers games I've watched this year have been Lance Lynn starts. Because, like, I don't, I still don't get this. Right? You know like, what? I, we saw him in spring training. We sure did. And I took note. That, yeah. that he was doing well yeah. against the spring training people and that yeah. his cutter particularly was doing well. Yeah, you were I like... Made, I made mental notes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to say I'm responsible for this. No. He's not because, your Lance you know, Lynn the way no. that the Cardinals are your Cardinals. Right. <laughs> he used to be my Lance Lynn. Now he's just everyone's. He's he's for for all to see. Yeah, you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to keep him to yourself. You want to share Lance Lynn with the world. I watched a Lance There's Lynn. There's plenty start. to go around. Yeah, well, see, this is what I'm about to say. So I watched the Lance Lynn start, and uh, I don't remember who they were playing. It doesn't matter. And you know, he's uh, he's taken a moment. He'd just gotten a new ball from the ump, and he's taken a moment to you know mess with it and collect himself. And the camera was trying to. I think was trying very hard to zoom in on his hand so that they could get get the grip once he actually prepared to throw the ball, right? They were trying to get a grip shot. But because Lynn was taking a moment, they just kind of s- settled on him. And because of where his hands were, it really just looked like they were interested in his middle section. And there is there is a fair amount of Lynn in his middle. And I was just like, it's very strange to be a baseball player. What a weird job. Well, that's where he gets his strength. Yeah, that's where it comes from. It's like when uh, it's like when uh, batters have healthy behinds. That's where the power comes from, right? Yeah. But yeah, people were people were grumpy with me about preferring Max Scherzer. They were grumpy. There were a lot of Ryu stands in my chat, which you know he's had a very good year, but they yeah. were they were quite adamant. Well, I mean, I think that you know, given Scherzer has been out for a little bit. Yeah, you could make a that argument, but the the issue is that you know he's he's only like he's less than ten innings behind right. Ryu. So right. the, and then you know Ryu doesn't strike out that many guys, which you know yep. isn't necessarily bad, but he's very reliant on a very good Dodgers team, and maybe has been a, a bit lucky with 
you know, his park and balls in play. And I would tend to agree with, with the, the, the Scherzer uh, situation for Cy Young right now. Honestly, I think that DeGrom still, you know, he's, yeah. he's ahead of he's ahead of Ryu in war right now. Yep. But Ryu's definitely having a, a very good season. Yeah. I appreciate Ryu's walk rate in a profound way. I think that there are a few things I personally dislike more in a pitcher than a pitcher who walks a lot of guys. Like, it is offensive to my preferred aesthetic of pitching. And so there he is, leading leading the league in, in a good way, in walk rate. Good job. Yeah, That's but excellent. now his he has a teammate who's, you know, 1% behind him, basically, yes. in walk rate. Yes. But is striking out. 10% more uh, batters. Yes. And working against his own name, Varelli, we're talking about Walker Bueller. Yes. Good so one. He's, he's defying his own identity in order to not walk people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, the conversation for the Dodgers, you know, over the next six weeks is, you know, who starts game one? Yeah. Who would and, you go with? Well... I would probably just start Clayton Kershaw because it's easier. But if I was if I if I was in a wild card game, sure. I would start Walker Bueller. Sure, but luckily the Dodgers are nowhere near a wild card game. <laughs> That's correct. I wonder what it feels like. I wonder what it feels like to be a fan of a winning baseball team. Hmm. I wonder what that's like. Well, I the think thing the- about it is, you can choose whatever team you want. This is true, and 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 I say this not to to denigrate fortunate people because we all you know we all suffer and find bits of suffering where we find it. But you know, Dodger fans still find plenty to complain about. So do Yankees right. fans. Yeah, we all we all find our stuff. I think Ryu's walk rate is one of my favorite stats of the season. I think another of my favorite stats, which is a very sad stat is that, say, the the Mariners are a very bad uh, baseball team, as are the, the White Sox, as are the Miami Marlins. And uh, it's not exactly 100. Uh, in some cases, it's quite a bit more than that. But the, the Orioles and the Tigers have run differentials 100 runs plus worse than all of those teams. <laughs> That's great. They're really bad. Yeah. Delightful. I, I, I can't imagine. And yet, you know, people go home from work every day. They turn them on. They turn them on, the Tigers and the Orioles, to to see what happens. I'm guessing that they turn them off earlier than they have in past seasons. It just means that they get to go to bed early, be well rested, enjoy themselves, spend time with their families. Hmm. So it's the middle of August. minor league games. Right, yeah. There's all this great minor league baseball happening right now. People should be watching minor league baseball. So, Craig, it's it's the middle of August. We have a month and a half left of the regular season. Some many of these races are pretty well sewn up, both in terms of the postseason and the players in year end sort of ballot races are at least well identified, even if no one's run away with anything yet, uh, with the exception of Mike Trout and potentially Max Scherzer, unless he doesn't come back soon. So, what are you what are you looking forward to the most over the last you know month and a half of the season? What's gonna get you still excited to write baseball words for Fangraphs.com. Well, I think that the playoff races that do exist are are fairly compelling. Very. The, you know, the NL, you have the Central and the Wild Card, and there's still, you know, 
a lot of teams that that have a shot and I, I think that the players on those teams you know are going to be the ones that will be most interesting to to write about to see you know who's carrying their clubs and and what what's making a difference you know because there's a lot of teams that you know are already looking forward to next year and then the off season and you know there's always some interesting players who come up on on those teams where you you're not really sure what to make of them for for the next season but i think for the most part we're going to be looking at at the races and then also the weaknesses of the teams that you know are sort of way out in front you know, like they, yeah. the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers, what are their problems over the next six weeks and whether or not that might cost them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds like a good list of things. I I am personally curious if Jordan continues his torrid pace. That sounds like it would be fun. I'm interested to see if Aquino keeps just hitting only home runs, really. Yeah. Almost exclusively home runs. I'm going to guess that he will not. I think he probably won't. I think he probably won't, but it's fun it's fun for right now. Mm-hmm. And he sure is hitting the home runs he hits very very hard, so that's something. Well, Craig, I think that what we will do is we will plan to have you back on the show in much shorter order than last time and we can talk about the uh, wrap up to this season and your Cardinals. And a, a whole host of other things the next time you come back on Fangrass Audio. But thanks for joining me today. Are there any pieces you've written of late that you would like to remind people you've written in case they missed them? Well, just today I wrote about Jose Altuve and Jose Ramirez, two players who have struggled and are now not struggling. We talked about Altuve a bit. And yeah. then also Jack Flaherty is currently the National League war leader for the second half. And so... I wrote about him, so you can read that as well. Well, people should go read those things. They should follow you on Twitter. Craig, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you.